0: From the healing heart of Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland comes The Dr. Nina Show with a message of hope for people struggling with binge eating. She helps listeners break free from emotional eating by identifying their hidden triggers and provides a path for healing without dieting or focusing on food. Dr. Nina inspires us to enjoy the full spectrum of human experience we all deserve to live.
1: Hi there. Welcome to the Dr. Nina show. I'm your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin. I am a psychoanalyst specializing in eating disorders, and I'm here to help you break free from binging, body shame, and diets that don't work. I want you to wake up and think about your day, not your diet. Keep in mind, binge eating is not about control. It is not about willpower, and it's not even about food. Focusing on what's eating at you and not on what you are eating is the first step to creating a binge-free, happy life. And I am here with you every step of the way. So my topic today is how to survive the holidays without gaining weight or losing your mind. I'm going to talk about the topic, and at a certain point, I will open up the phone lines, Uh, So if you want to call in or if you want to drop a comment, if you're also watching on Instagram and you want to drop a comment, you can do so anytime, but I'll let you know when the phone lines are open. Okay, so how to survive the holidays. The holidays. I don't know about you, but they they always fill me with this combination of, of hope and dread because it can... It can be as if, you know, you look on TV and there are all the the Hallmark holiday ads and there are all the holiday movies and TV shows and in those shows and in those ads, everyone is beautifully dressed, sitting around a beautiful table in a beautiful house that's perfectly decorated and they're getting along great and they all love each other and everything is so picture perfect and then there's your life and the... the, the the difference between what you see and what you feel are, can't be any difference. Well, I speak I can't be any more different, right? Well, I speak for myself, but I, I don't think I'm alone in that. Often, the holidays can be a really tough time. So, one of the things that people worry about, of course, is gaining weight over the holidays, just blowing their meal plan or or their their healthy eating goals or or whatever. Um, and let me just get the bad news out of the way that studies show that if you gain weight during the holidays, you tend not to lose it in January, despite your best efforts. Or if you do lose it, you tend to regain it again. Statistics are not in your favor. I am sorry. That is the bad news. Um, because, you know, the diets don't work and the, the, new, the New Year's resolutions are doomed to fail and all of those. But there is good news. The good news is that I am going to tell you how to break that cycle, that cycle of kind of having whatever over the holidays, gaining weight, feeling bad, going in a diet, feeling bad, uh, gaining weight. That's the diet binge cycle that we want to de- definitely stop. So I created this holiday survival guide to to help you. So first, I'm going to just tell you in more detail why dieting over the holidays is a terrible idea. And then I'm going to give you some strategies, the exact strategies you need to start that new year off right, start 2023 off right. 2023, can you guys even believe it? 2023, how is that possible? (laughs) Okay. Um, All right, so first... So we're going to talk about how to deal with food over the holidays, how to talk, how to deal with people over the holidays, and how to uh, take care of yourself over the holidays. So how to deal with food over the holidays. Um, first of all, as I said before, dieting does not work in the long run, and it will backfire. And here is why. Diets fail because they are about deprivation. They're always about deprivation of some kind, and that nearly always leads to overeating or binging. That's because the anticipation of not being able to eat what you want will make you want it more. And if you're thinking all the time about not having pumpkin pie or Christmas cookies or Hanukkah gelt, uh, then you have pie and cookies on your mind. And that puts the focus on the wrong thing, which is what you are eating or what you're trying not to eat instead of why. So diets ultimately always fail because they deal with food. They don't address the underlying reasons that make you turn to food in the first place. And there are many reasons that that might happen. So eating for comfort, eating for distraction, to numb yourself against difficult feelings and much, much more. If you listen to the show, you know I go into great depth on what those other reasons are because uh, binging is a, a frenemy. It is a friend. It does something for you. It helps you cope in some way. It helps you express something that your maybe your mind doesn't want to express. For example, it fills a void. If you're full of food, you might not feel as lonely and things like that. So ultimately, the most important thing about dieting is it keeps you in a battle with yourself. It's you against your body, which makes you in, a, in at war with yourself. Ideally, it's you taking care of your body, which is part of you. And people who struggle with eating disorders often have this sense that there's 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 a it's them against their body. And they're trying to get their bodies into shape. They're trying to change their bodies, they're trying to just you know punish their bodies instead of treating their bodies as part of them, nurturing, caring, loving. As the saying goes regarding your body, it's where you live. If you don't take care of it, good care of it. Where will you live? Hmm. So the key to change is to stop dieting and start tuning into what's eating at you. Why are you eating instead of what are you eating? Because when you deal with the true problem, you don't need food to cope. So about a decade ago, uh, researchers did a study, and this was interesting because they were trying to prove the existence of. Food addiction. They, um, they wanted to prove that food was an addictive substance. This was, if you're interested, it's Chris Teller, 2011. Chris, if, if you want the exact uh, research information, feel free to reach out. I will, I'll be happy to give it to you. So, the research subjects in this study were asked to eat their forbidden foods as part of the study, and. The the premise was that once people started eating these forbidden foods, they would not be able to stop because they were addicted to these foods. They were physiologically addicted to these foods. And these people really felt addicted. They would definitely have said they were food addicts. But you know what happened? Something interesting happened. When they were given permission to eat these so-called addictive foods, the people in the study actually ate less of them. They they ate a little, they stopped. They didn't do what they normally did when it was forbidden, which was binge on these foods. So this was the opposite of what the food addiction theorists had expected. Now, why was this? Well, the research subjects in the study had no expectation of deprivation. They had no anticipation of deprivation. In fact, they had the opposite. They were being told to eat the things that they normally didn't let themselves eat. And so they didn't feel guilty about their choice. They didn't fall into the common dieting pitfall of, I've had one, so I might as well have all of them. I had one, I might as well have the whole bag. I had the whole bag, I might as well have a whole bag of something else. I might as well eat the kitchen and then some. Instead, they ate their forbidden foods and they stopped. And this shows the importance of psychology when it comes to food choices. When you allow yourself to have something, truly, truly allow yourself, then you, you can decide whether you want it or not and how much of it you can have. If not, if you don't really allow it, you're, you're, you're going to binge on it. Um, and by the way, that is how naturally thin people stay thin. If 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 you ever see how non-dieting thin people are, they just order whatever they want. And they're gonna sometimes they have all of it, and sometimes they have some of it because they know they can have whatever they want. And and that means they don't binge, they don't feel deprived, they don't have that deprivation, and then they can eat it, they can have some of it or all of it, depending on how full that they are, how hungry they are. And They have a normal, normalized relationship with food. You're not going to binge on something if you know you can have it anytime. There's no anticipate, there's no anticipation of deprivation. Now, a lot of people have said to me, Oh my God, if I start eating what I want, I am going to eat everything. I'm never going to stop eating. One person said, she's like, remember that fairy tale about the red shoes and the girl started dancing and she couldn't stop dancing until she finally just like keeled over dead? (laughs) I'm like, I think so. As a former ballerina, yes, I remember that. Well, she thought that if she started eating something, she would never be able to stop just like the girl in the red shoes. No fears are not facts. Uh, the, the fact is no one has ever not been able to stop. And when you truly, truly trust yourself that you can have the thing whenever you want it and really know that, then you can make the choice that is right for you in that moment. Then you can have a cookie or two or even three and enjoy it instead of feeling guilty as you're eating it and then promising yourself that this is the last cookie and then feeling guilty and terrible about yourself. And then you're eating more cookies because you blew it. And then you feel guilty and terrible and you keep eating because you can't stop because you're in that, 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 that binge mode. Well, when you truly know that you can have it, you can have it. It might sound impossible, but I, I'm here to tell you that, uh, not one of my patients, not one of the people in my online programs have ever done that, have ever started eating and not stopped. They did not gain weight. They did not double their weight. They did not keel over dead like the person in the red shoes because they ate until they dropped. No, they actually felt better like the people in the study. They had some, but not all. And then when they you realize you can have some, you could have some of other things too. So when you give yourself permission to have what you want, true permission, you will end up eating less of it. So give it a try. Um, also, I'm going to skip over the, like, one of the other things I wanted to say is figure out what's eating at, at you. I'll get back to that. But that is basically my, my food mood formula. Um which I will get back to because I think a lot of you already are aware of it. If you're not, let me know. And I will go over the food mood formula because it is part of this guide. All right. Here's another way to deal with food over the holidays. Take it a day at a time. And I'm not talking about the like like day at a time, like 12-step program day at a time. I, I want you to think about this. We talk about the holidays as if they're months long, weeks long. The holiday season, it stretches from Halloween to New Year's Day. Months, it seems like. Well, two months seems like a really long time to be quote-unquote good over the holidays. But think about this. What seems like weeks and weeks and weeks is actually just a, a, a mere days of actual celebrating. So I, I wrote it down. here. Here are the holidays over here. Are the holidays most people, uh, celebrate and usually not all of them. And if there's something I skipped, please let me know. I, I will include it in my list. So there's in October, there's Halloween. In November, there's Thanksgiving, which in the United States is tomorrow. In December, there's Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Usually Hanukkah is in December. Sometimes it's in November. And yes, that is eight days, but you usually only celebrate it one or two days. So uh, there's Kwanzaa, also I think a um, multi-day celebration that is not celebrated like big time every single day. And then there's New Year's Eve. So that is a number of days. if you think about the, the holidays you actually participate in, that will add up to a handful full of days rather than weeks or months. So when instead of when you, when you start thinking of the holidays, start thinking about the holidays. What are the days that you will actually be celebrating over, over those, the holiday season? And then you can take that one holiday day at a time. Also, super important because people do this a lot over the holidays, they skip meals to kind of buy themselves the chance to eat more at the holiday meal. Well, if you skip breakfast and or lunch, knowing you're going to go to a holiday party later, you can be setting yourself up to overeat or to binge. Because when you're super hungry, which you will be if you don't eat breakfast and you don't eat lunch, you're more likely to lose control once you do start eating. Um, Carly Gash is saying, I used to feel so miserable over the holiday season. Of course, I binged after doing the work in your programs. Oh, and focusing on what was eating at me and addressing my loneliness. That's all I got Carly Gash, not able to scroll or see anything else, but I I hope she's going to say she doesn't no longer feel so miserable. Um, this, this holiday season, she says she doesn't think about food at all. Yes, Carly Gash, awesome. I love that, exactly. So always make sure that you eat enough before you go to any party or occasion. Because again, if you're really hungry, if you're really starving, it's difficult to stop eating once you, once you start. So again, instead of the holiday season, which is weeks and weeks, no, it's just a few days in actuality. So just think about those days rather than uh, a whole season of eating. Um, All right. Here's how to take care of yourself over the holidays. Um, So uh, someone I'm going to call Kayla, not her real name. She confessed that she had eaten endless bowls of ice cream after a, a painful breakup. And she said she couldn't believe that she did that. She said, oh, I should be over this already. What is my problem? So I asked her what she would tell a friend who had comforted herself with ice cream after a bad breakup. And this bad breakup, by the way, happened right before the holidays. Ugh, terrible timing. Would she say, oh my God, you should be over that already. What is your problem? I don't think so. And by the way... Kayla said, no, I would tell her that I was sorry she was going through such a rough time. I'd ask how I could help. So nice, right? So I said, well, you, let me get this straight. So you wouldn't shove a, a, a carton of ice cream into your friend's hands and say, here, eat this? And she was horrified. She said, no, she would never do such a thing. And yet that is exactly what she did to herself followed by all kinds of self-recrimination, feeling really bad. So if a friend had eaten ice cream, she would not have said, what's wrong with you? Just get over it already. She would not have said, you are so disgusting, kind of the things that she said to herself. She would not be so mean to anyone else. But that is exactly what she said to herself. Can you relate? Can you relate? Because if you are mean to yourself, You feel terrible. You might even use food to escape your own mean voice. The way you talk to yourself and about yourself can either make you feel bad or make you feel good. And when you make yourself feel bad, you might just use food again to escape your own mean voice. When you are kind to yourself as you would be to your friends, you feel better. And when that happens, you don't need food to cope. Um, Another way to take care of yourself is to silence your inner critic. So think about this. Have you ever said anything to yourself like this? Like to yourself, have you ever said, you've got no willpower. You've you've got no control. You're not good enough. You're never going to lose weight. You're such a loser. Nobody likes you. Ouch. If any of that sounds familiar... Welcome to your inner critic. That critic is horrible. It makes you feel bad. It makes you feel terrible. It's so discouraging. It's so hateful. It's so awful. And again, when you speak to yourself that way, you may just be eating or binging to escape your own mean voice. Um, And by the way, a quick way of identifying whether your inner critic is in control of your thoughts is when you talk to yourself. In a second person voice, as when you say to yourself, "You're a loser," rather than "I'm a loser," you know, "You've got no willpower." as second person inner critic? I've got no willpower. While not true, is it's it's hard to be as mean to yourself from an I place as it is when you talk to yourself with, using the word you pronoun. Um. Uh, another example of someone I will call Ellen. So Ellen was at a party catered by this gourmet French restaurant known for its excellent food. And she told me, this is what she said. She said, Hey, I decided this was not the time to worry about what I was going to eat. And, uh, I just ate what I want. I just ate what I just told myself I was going to eat what I want. And I ate what I wanted. And afterwards I thought, this is Ellen talking afterwards. I thought you are such an idiot. How could you have done that? You're never going to lose weight. I can't believe you did that. Notice the way Ellen was talking to herself at first. She, she went from like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go and have a good time. I'm going to eat what I want. Nice. Afterwards, she was harsh and and vicious. You're such an idiot. You're never going to lose weight. You blah 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 blah. Mean 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 mean. So when I asked her to say, "Hey, I'm such an idiot." She couldn't do it. She said, "Ooh, that sounds too harsh. I can't say that to myself." She was right. It is harsh. It is very, very harsh to talk to yourself in that mean way. So as you can see, changing the way you speak to yourself is is very powerful. Instead of being critical, gotta be kind. Often we are kind, supportive, warm, loving, and understanding with others. With ourselves, we are mean. So we have to be to ourselves as we are to to others. There's an old uh, proverb or adage or whatever that says, "Do unto others as you as you do to your unto yourself." No, let's switch it up. Do unto yourself as you do to others, because you're probably much nicer to others than you are to yourself, aren't you? Worth the same consideration that you give other people. Um, and one way of being kind to yourself is is using my very acronym, which is you know vary the way you respond to yourself. It stands for validate, acknowledge, and reassure yourself when you when you say oh yeah, this was a, a difficult situation. I felt, of course I felt bad. How else could I feel? Of course it's hard. You know, you're know, you validating and you're acknowledging whatever the difficulty is. And you reassure yourself, I've been through hard things in, in the past. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to think about what I need right now. It's going to make me feel better. How can I support myself right now? How can I better you know, deal with the situation? And of course the U stand the Y stands for yourself. So think comfort words instead of comfort food. And a good rule of thumb is this if you wouldn't say it to a friend, a child, or someone you love, do not say it to yourself. If you wouldn't be mean, if you wouldn't be mean to someone else, don't be mean to yourself. So that's how you take care of yourself over the holidays. Okay, now, how to deal with people over the holidays. Ooh, people. People can be challenging, can't they? Understatement of the day. All right, so if it seems as if every family, like I was saying before, uh, every every TV family, every, every, every Instagram family, every social media family is all beautifully enjoying the holidays with a with a perfectly set table and and pretty people wearing gorgeous outfits in a lovely home that's just decorated just so and it's also picture perfect and they're happy and looks like they're getting along wonderfully and they've got their champagne and they're just like cheers oh we're so happy we love life and then there's your family or your situation, or your lack of family. I mean, by the way, if you have that happy family thing, good for you, awesome, lucky you. But if not, you have a lot of company. Family get-togethers can be really triggering for many people. And if you feel like you morph into a 10-year-old the second you step into the house where you grew up in or where your parents live or where one parent lives or where your family is then the holidays can really be unsettling. If your family makes comments about what you are eating, if your family makes comments about your appearance, that can be really, really tough, especially if you haven't seen them for a while, especially if you you gained the the COVID-19 pounds or whatever it is, and now you're seeing them and you're afraid what they're going to think, what they're going to say. Um, when you sense that other people are mentally calculating how much weight you've gained since the last time they saw you, that can feel humiliating. So, the answer is to be an observer, a social anthropologist. When you have eyes on you, it feels like you, you have to just like shield yourself from those eyes. No, don't look at me. But when you're an observer, its eyes your eyes are out and you're thinking about what you think of what you see not about what other people are thinking of you and when you get some when you when you get some distance when you are when you when you are not afraid and you're not mind reading the terrible things that they might be thinking of you it helps you get more clarity it helps you kind of take your own side and it helps you feel better about you and about the situation. So for example, um, when your mom or dad or grandparents or aunts or uncles or whoever criticize your sister or brother or cousin or whatever, or themselves, you can see how you learned to criticize yourself. When you realize that your mom apologizes for every bite she takes, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I'm eating this. I shouldn't really eat this. I uh-huh. I don't know why I'm so hungry or I don't know why I can't stop. Um, you understand why you feel guilty for every bite you, you take or your dad. I mean, doesn't have to be your mom. Um, so observe your family members as if they were actors in a play. And there are usually certain kinds of people at these gatherings. And I'm going to go over a few of the types of people and how to deal with them. Okay, so first there are the 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 drunks. They, they can be happy drunks. They can be angry drunks. Neither type of drunk is fun. When people are inebriated, they tend to say things they wouldn't ordinarily say, and they would make comments that they wouldn't ordinarily say. Well, at least usually. Um, and even worse, it is very hard to communicate with people who are buzzed, which makes, you know, uh, uh, it makes a whole other layer of difficulty to any kind of conversation. Um, so those are one. That's one type of person that you might encounter at your holiday gathering. The other are the overly cheerful. We are so happy. Life is perfect. Oh my god! <laughs> Everything is great. People. These kind of people kind of prefer living in a fantasy world to the real world. For those of us in the real world, that can feel frustrating. And the message is hey, nothing should bother you. Nothing should bother you. Be happy. You should be grateful. You should be happy. Just be happy, happy, happy. It discounts reality and it's really frustrating. Then you can feel bad for feeling bad. Remember, life is not perfect living in denial as these happy, happy, happy people are, um, doesn't help. They are deluding themselves. When you face the unpleasant truths of life, you can start dealing with them. Okay. Then there are the kind of jealous people or the competitors You know those people, the ones who want what you have, and they begrudge you your happiness. If you just got a new car, they're going to buy a better car. If you're struggling, they have it worse. These kind of people can be extremely frustrating, to say the least. They think they're better than everyone else because they spend more money sometimes, or they try to outdo you in the misery department. They're always competing with you. Um their main topic of conversation might be how good it used to be back in the day. They can't handle being in the present. Worse, they bring up their version of how things were in your past. And they say really embarrassing things like, um, you were always such a chubby little thing. You did so great in school. I, I I would have thought you'd be on top of the world by now. So which of these categories match your family. When you're observing others, you don't feel as much under observation, and that makes you less self-conscious. And when you're less self-conscious, you feel better. When you feel better, you're less likely to go to food or think about food or get, you know, preoccupied or obsessed about what you're eating or what you weigh as a distraction. All right, another way to deal with people is to prepare clever comebacks. Benjamin Franklin once said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Conversely, by preparing, you will succeed. That was my part. Benjamin Franklin didn't actually say that, (laughs) but I think it's a good thing to keep in mind. So Going home for the holidays, if that's what you're doing, uh, whether it's across the country or across town or across the street, it can cause temporary regression. Sometimes when you step through the doors of your childhood home, it can be difficult to, to kind of hold on to your adult self. Ha- having snappy comments on at the ready, being prepared, like Benjamin Franklin said, can really help you through. So... Be ready. Be ready for comments and questions about your food choices and your weight such as these are the things that people have told me their family actually has said to them. Do you really need to eat that? Oh, I see you've uh, put on a few pounds since last year. Things like that. I won't go into any more of them. You get the idea? Ew. Ugh. Horrible. All right, so there are three ways to deal with these kinds of comments. One is to set limits. You just say, um, I'm not discussing my weight, period. So don't ask me. <laughs> like just it ain't happening. I'm not discuss I'm not discussing my weight. Um, or I don't like talking about my weight, I'd prefer you wouldn't bring it up. Just very Very simply set the limit, very directly and simply. Another is to use humor. So if they say, do you really need to eat that? No, I don't need to eat that, but I want it. Is there a problem? Or, you know, you put on a few pounds since last year. Yeah, well, you know what? My weight is a number and it's unlisted. Or thank you for noticing. And here I thought nobody paid attention to me. Absolutely right. Curvy is the new black. Haven't you heard? Wow. I actually have gained weight. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for letting me know because otherwise it would have completely escaped my attention. Humor. It unnerves people and then they don't know what to say and then you could either change the subject or leave, but you feel empowered. And that's the key. You want to feel empowered. Um, Another way to deal with this is to, to deflect. They say, "Do you really need to eat that?" You say, "So what's new with you? What's going on?" They say, uh, "Wow, looks like you've uh, packed on a few pounds this year." I can't believe people actually still say that, but so many people report to me that 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 they're that this is what people say to them that uh it's it's just it's unbelievable, but it's happening. It's happening to you. You can say something like. Uh huh. So what's what's uh what's new with you? How are you this these days? You just totally changed the subject. What are your what are your plans for next year? Oh, you know, do you really need to eat that? Um. So what are you what are you looking forward to in twenty twenty three? You just ask, act as if they never asked the question. You just completely change the subject, and it really startles people. It really, it's very disconcerting, and some of them will be like, No, I I, I was saying. I was saying like, you know, something about you. And <laughs> you say, yeah. And, you know, what do you think about those midterms? I mean, you just totally changed the subject. And here's the, here's, the, here's the one, here's my least favorite. When they say, I'm only concerned about your health. I'm only asking because I'm concerned about your health. All you have to do is say, and I appreciate your concern. I really do, but I don't want to discuss this. And you change the subject. You do not have to justify, explain, or defend yourself. In fact, I came up with an acronym I want you to remember over whatever holiday gathering that you are in. If someone starts to say something to you, I am a huge Star Wars fan. You may know that. I came up with this, this acronym called Jedi I just love Star Wars everything goes back to Star Wars okay um, Jedi do not justify explain or defend the I so when you go someplace and someone says something don't justify yourself don't explain yourself and don't defend yourself Jedi go in go in and and you shall you shall you shall win. So that is, okay, that is the holiday survival guide. Let me just go over um, the, uh, for those of you who don't know how to figure out what's eating at you, for those of you who do, hey, a refresher is always a good thing. For those of you who don't, I'm about to tell you how to figure out what's eating at you instead of focusing on what you are eating. So most people are familiar with emotional eating, they're aware, hey, it's not it's not what they're eating that is the true problem. It's what's eating at them. Every gardener knows that if you yank up a weed, it will grow back. To get rid of the weed for good, you have to get to the root. And similarly, with weight and food issues, you've got to get to that proverbial root. Root. You've got to figure out what's eating at you that you're not aware of. Um, because often we get so good at turning to food to cope, to cope with something uncomfortable, distressful, sad, painful, anxiety-producing. We don't even – we get so good at turning right to food, we don't even know that we're being triggered. We think we're being triggered by food. We're actually being triggered by by a situation. And before we can feel what is going on, we go to food to cope. We don't even know what is actually bothering us. The reason I love the the weed root analogy so much is that we don't see the root. It is in the ground. It is in the dirt. We don't see it, but we know it's there because it's growing the weed. Similarly, we there are things in our In our minds, in our unconscious minds that are hidden from us, we don't know it. We don't see it. We don't, we're not conscious of it, but it is there in our unconscious. It is hidden underground, as it were, and it affects us. And it's there because it it creates these behavioral issues. So often what you think is the trigger food is actually pointing to the true trigger which is some emotional reaction or some feeling, some need. So here is the formula that I developed to help you figure out what's eating at you by looking at the kinds of foods that you are choosing to binge on or to eat emotionally. So the first category is creamy. And foods that are sweet and smooth and creamy are, um, Ice cream, frozen yogurt, pudding, even you know, nut smooth nut butter can fit into this category. It doesn't have to be sweet. It has to be smooth. They suggest a longing for comfort, a need for soothing, for nurturing. So if ice cream or other smooth, creamy foods are your go-to, then find new ways of comforting yourself with words instead of with food. Think about how you would comfort a friend and start there. If you, if you would not say to your friend, you need comfort, here's some ice cream, then think about what you'd say to your friend and say that to yourself. Might feel weird at first, but practice makes progress. Um, filling foods, so think bread, cake, pasta, muffins, uh, anything that... that Pizza, anything that kind of takes up space within us is correlated to feelings of loneliness or emptiness. They symbolically fill a void within. So if those are your go-to, then think about the holes in your life, the holes in your soul. What are the voids? What is it you don't have? What is it you need more of? And think about ways to fill them without using food. The last category is crunchy. So think anything with a anything that makes you bite down hard, chips, pretzels, even carrots, crackers, anything with a crunch. That is associated with forms of anger. So frustration, irritation, annoyance, rage, these are all forms of anger. And if if crunchy is your thing, then you want to look at what is it that is making you angry in your life and remember Doesn't make you an angry person. It means you're a person who is angry for a reason or an irritated, frustrated, annoyed, irked. These are all forms. Mad. These are all forms of anger. Express it with words instead of with food. And then, you know, what happens is inevitably you get mad at yourself for eating. So the anger that you feel about another situation or person ends up getting expressed with food and then turned on you. I call that the boomerang effect, right? You're, you're upset at, you're upset at someone that that at someone or something out there. And then it goes, Oh no, 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 no. I'm upset at myself. I can't believe I ate that. Those feelings boomerang back on you, which is not fair to you. Um, people often ask me about chocolate. Well, Chocolate is either is usually like people like milk chocolate, chocolate with nuts or black chocolate or chocolate with creamy centers. So chocolate with creamy centers goes in the creamy category. Milk chocolate also may be in the creamy category and dark chocolate has a lot of a crunch, chocolate with almonds or you know, uh, chocolate covered pretzels, chocolate covered nuts also crunchy. So they really do fit the formula. And if you like sweets that are not chocolate, uh, maybe you want to think about what sweetness you are missing in your life and how can you get more sweetness in your life figuratively, not literally. So again, if you think that you are triggered by food, no, I'm here to tell you, No, you are not. You are triggered by an emotional need, a situation, something going on in your mind. And the first step is to look at what is eating at you. You can use the food mood formula to identify what is it that is eating at you and then express it and then reassure yourself. Use the very acronym. So what are you eating? Why are you eating what you're eating? Are you mad, sad, afraid, lonely? What's going on with you? Expressing that and then responding to yourself in a kind, loving, supportive way. This is how you banish binge eating for good. It's not about food. Binging is the solution to a problem. It is not the problem. It feels like the problem, but just like. A weed and a root. A weed is just the you know the thing that the, the 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 pro the real problem, the root is creating. It's what we see. But the real problem is hidden within you. So be a detective of your mind, get really curious about that by new ways of expressing how you feel, of nurturing yourself, of setting limits with other people who treat you perhaps in a way that is makes you feel bad. When we set limits and boundaries and we uh, take care of ourselves in that way, we feel better. When we feel better, we don't need to eat as a way of coping. Binge, Binge eating. Sheila is saying she can't hear that enough, that binge eating is the solution to the problem. It is not the problem. It is the... Sheila... It binge eating is the solution. Binge eating disorder is the solution to the problem, not the problem. The problem is the thing that you need to address and cope with. The problem can be the way you think about yourself, which then affects the way you feel. The problem can be your interpretation of, you know, your good enoughness. The problem is is a a, a a person in your life who's making you upset. The problem is loneliness. The problem is you know you get the idea. Binging resolves the problem temporarily, but it doesn't solve the problem, and that's why it's not an addiction. It's not a mental illness. I last week someone was like. Well, I have to deal with my mental illness. I'm, I'm like, what mental illness is that? Well, I, I binge eat. No, while it may technically be a category in the DSM five now, it is not a mental illness. It is a, it is just a really negative way of coping that ends up hurting you far more than it helps. But why do we begin to use food to cope? because early in our lives food is safe food is well relationship really food is our first experience our first experience of being fed is is tied up with the experience of being held of of having a parent's eyes you know look at you hopefully with love you feel safe you're held at least in that moment All is well with the world, and that experience gets bound up with eating. And that's why in our psyche, we associate food with relationship. And if you think that sounds a little funny, think about the way we talk about food and the way we talk about relationship. We say we are starving for attention, hungry for love. We want comfort food. So in our culture, we even acknowledge the the, the the idea that that love and relationship and food and safety and bliss and all of those things are somehow one and the same. And people can be unpredictable, unreliable, and unavailable. Food is predictable, it is reliable and it is available. And that's why often we have a relationship with food instead of with people. Or we hide parts of ourselves from the people in our lives and can express ourselves fully with food, but we don't even know what we're expressing. So that's why I really look at the symbolism. Are you eating crunchy things? And by the way, a lot of people will say, well, they have to have uh, ice cream with nuts. Okay. So then ice cream is the main thing. You need comfort. Nuts is sort of the secondary. So you're, you need a lot of comfort, but you're a little, you got a little anger, anger to express. So everything is not in one category. And when you're really curious about this and you and you start thinking, okay, what's eating at me instead of, oh my God, I can't believe I ate that. And then you're then you then you're mean to yourself, then you beat yourself up, then you feel terrible about yourself, and then you eat to just to get away from that, that voice. You know, get into the binge zone where you're you're just you're not thinking, you're not feeling. Well, if you can be kind, if you can be comforting, if you can remember to be a Jedi and do not justify, explain, or defend yourself, you could be kind and treat yourself as you would a friend. You're going to feel good, and you're going to feel better, and you're going to feel empowered. And that is how you create a binge-free, happy life. And when I say binge-free, I mean forever. Because when you really change the way you relate to yourself, you don't need binging as a coping mechanism, and you just live your life, and maybe you enjoy it as much as possible. And that is my hope for you, that instead of focusing on what you are eating, focus on why. Focus on why and treat yourself as you would treat a friend. You will start to feel better. And in time, you will achieve liberation, which means you're you're not having to think about this anymore. You're just naturally responding to yourself in a kind and loving way. And then you could just... Live instead of existing in this toxic relationship with food. So, if you would like a copy of what I uh, read to you today, it's actually here in um, the by How to Survive the Holidays. If you are on Instagram, just uh, DM me and I'll send you a link so you can download it. And if you are not on Instagram, you can contact me on Instagram or through my website, Dr. Nina Inc. D-R-N-I-N-A-I-N-C.com. Email me, find me on every any social media site but Twitter now. I no longer have my Twitter. Um, and I will be happy to send you the link and connect with you. So happy Thanksgiving if you are in the United States. If you're not, happy end of November. Please be curious, not critical, be kind to yourself. I'll see you next week. Bye for now.
0: Calling all authors, have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. um Dr Nina's show is now on the dream Vision 7 radio network every Tuesday 11 a.m and 11 pm. Eastern time from the healing heart of Dr Nina Sabel Rockland comes a message of hope for people struggling with binge eating she helps listeners break free from emotional eating by identifying the hidden triggers to binging and provides a path for healing without dieting or focusing on food as she puts it it's not what you're eating that's the real problem it's what's eating at you. Be sure to tune in for diet-free strategies on how to outsmart emotional eating so you can stop thinking about food and start living your best and most happy life. Thank you for joining The Dr. Nina Show. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Join Dr. Nina next time for more diet-free strategies on how to outsmart emotional eating so you can stop thinking about food and start living your best and most healthy life. Find out more about Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland at drninainc.com. That's D-R-N-I-N-A-I-N-C dot com.
1: This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.